0: with an upgraded vein and seal system. Go check it out today, www.gprstabilizers.com, or call 619-661-0101. Don't forget to tell them ATV Talk's hey. Mike Pongren, welcome to ATV
1: Talk. Thank you so much for taking some time out of your busy schedule to uh, sit, sit down and talk with us today. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. pleasure. History, pleasure. man. History. Really cool history. Yep. That was awesome. You know, before we started taping, you were telling me about the VIN numbers on the first 122 units of the ATC mm-hmm. 90. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that, I didn't know that. That's so cool. And, which is kind of bizarre. Like most Hondas always start at zero, you know, and then one, two, three from there. But because of the pre-production um 90s that they brought to Pismo. That's what they did. So, which I'm dying to find one of them. T- till this day, I mean, 25 years in the business, I've never seen one. But one, I mean, supposedly they were all destroyed. But They're out there. You know, some dealer got one or someone in Honda probably has one somewhere, but I've never seen one. Um, that would but be a find. Beans that you've done this for a long time and you've hunted down the unique, Yamaha published a mistake information set up years back. Yeah. Yeah. And they put a motorcycle 450 engine in a blaster chassis. Really? It's out there. It's a real machine. Like it like it made it down the factory assembly line? Yeah, they made it made it to the Really? Base. They sold it. <laughs> really? Yeah. How does that make it through all their checks and testing and that's crazy everybody's fallible right what, what what was the 450 out of it was a motorcycle engine that they just okay and i uh, the we couldn't believe it but it was actual photos that's of crazy this machine yeah know? yeah that's uh, cool i believe they bought it back from the people and yeah. gave them what they were supposed to get but right right um whether they crushed these machines or, or not, you never know. There's so many stories, you know, like all the, all the X-ray spikes, oh, they're all destroyed. They weren't, you know, most, most were, but lots did sneak out, you know. Um, I've talked to Mike Coe and I've talked to Marty yep. and they watched some stuff get destroyed. That was, oh yeah. perfectly good condition. Well, look at, look at an 87 when they banned them. I mean, they were cutting right out of the crate, wow. not even in half. Dumpsters crushing them. That's, yeah, that's like painful. And then so, they could have sold them in other countries. Yeah, yeah. Which that, I, I think that's what Yamaha did with their tri Because you see a lot of tri in in uh, England. And I heard that's what they they were smarter. They shipped them out of the country and and just sold them over there. Well, you wow. saw the 200X that went to Argentina, right? Yeah, that they converted to a four wheeler. Yeah, right? I, I posted some pictures of it. Yeah. People were telling me that it was fake. No, dude, I looked. Oh, I it's real. Them. It's real. Yeah, and, and like every now and again, I've seen, I've seen two or three come up for sale. You know, someone in, imported it somehow. Uh, but but crazy rare. Like I would like to get one of those to do. You know. Oh, well, they. It, you know, I mean, it's. It's not the greatest machine, or, or, or no, but it's no, but it's nostalgia and it's cool. Just the history of it, you know. It's it's like finding an eighty seven two hundred and fifty R. That you know, there was. I mean, I have I have parts manuals for that bike. I have pre production photos. Where you know, I doubt it went any farther than that, as far as making one. But but if they went through the, you know, they have part numbers for white plastic and. So they went to a point to do it. I just don't know if it ever... Supposedly, they were sold in Canada. That's what I heard, but no one's ever... The only picture I've seen is, uh, I think it was in Italy. It was actually being used on the street. And it was a rear fender that had the embossing, so it was injected. It wasn't like a Meyer fender. Um, And it was white. I mean, so... I'd love to... I would love to get my hands on one just... Oh yeah. You know, we're, uh, my dad's a motorcycle enthusiast, you know, being, yep. he, oh yeah. The ATV, back, yeah. Like back in the day. Yeah. And we have triumphs and TT500s yep. and yep. Uh, very few of the three wheelers and four wheelers to be keep really. Yeah. It's, I mean, he was, he was back in the original, you know, from the start, right? As far well, as yeah, building. First three wheeler magazine. That's cool. That's yeah. awesome. 1972. That happened. Yeah, yeah. We have a copy of it in in a glass. Well, that, I mean, that was a cool era because Honda was really smart with their patent on that bike. Like, think about it. From 1970 to 1980, they held the market. No one, no one could even touch that. That whole design, three wheeler design, that was theirs. So they That's they were they were smart. Other than what were they thinking with those balloon tires? I know. <laughs> well, look at them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so so not everybody's going to get to see this for a while. It will go, yeah, it will no, go or to, right. uh, YouTube at some point. But I'm looking at a green, probably a, a 1969. Yep. Well, it's it's a fr- first production. Yeah, probably '69. So yeah, 19. They, they, were, yeah. they remodeled 1970 as the first year, but yeah. It was it was built in '69. Yeah, ATC '90, and it's beautiful. Got it's yep. beautiful. And yeah, that's the one like I do the most of. That's another. That's another '90 behind it. Oh wow, that's almost new old stock. That's a summer yellow one, 1970. Um, that's, that's no new old stock. <laughs> it is. It's a, it's it's pretty much brand new. Did it break your heart done it. when Mister Honda died? It did. It did because things changed. Right. You know, if you look at the way Honda was like Honda's thing, and, and this was Mr. Honda doing this is for, you know, like anytime my product is, is still out there in the marketplace we can supply parts for it. doesn't matter what it is. We want it. But once he died, that whole mentality changed. Um, you saw parts going discontinued that were available forever and more and quicker and quicker. And, and then it's, now it's like very, very few stuff more than 15 years old, you don't know, see. Yeah, because the 0405 TRX450R is starting to dwindle off. That's going to be a bike, I think, that would be smart to stockpile some stuff for right now. Well, it's so, a great... So, yeah. I think it's a great platform. And, and as oh, far definitely. as the desert goes, as a desert race machine, yep. it's still probably more dominant than oh, yeah. the O six up version. Yep. You know? Yep. That's crazy. That's, I mean that's like brand new for me. I never play with anything that new. Well that's <laughs> let, 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 let me ask some questions here. Sure. You know, because we jumped way ahead of the of the curve and sure. and in my mind when I wanted to talk to you, uh the the the, the big thing is where did this all begin? Uh, this goes back and this is this is a story in my life. Probably, I think I was like seven years old. My dad came home from the dump with his go-kart. Like really <laughs> crazy looking thing. Two-stroke engine, belt drive, missing a bunch of stuff. And I was always mechanical. I, that was my growing up. I fixed lawnmowers for neighbors. I you know, I took things apart constantly. And that was our first project. And we, we, we built it. We put a live axle on it. Put a uh, regular centrifugal clutch. Took the belt off. Just modified and modified and modified. And then I started saying, like, "Well, what if I start buying these frames? Buy them in the want ads. Fix them up. Paint them. Sell them for a profit." So, like, literally at ten years old, I had a dealer account with a local small engine supply place. And I was buying tires and bearings and engine parts and flipping go karts. And that was my that was my start in it. And as I, get, as I got older, you know, I mean, guys had three wheelers in town and that was my, I'm like, man, I got to get one of those. But I was, I mean, I'm, I'll be 49 this year. So I was still young. So right around the mid eighties when three wheelers becoming scary to everyone, and my parents are like, no, you're not getting a three wheeler. So I convinced <laughs> them. So I convinced them for a, for a, a Suzuki LT 185. they like, you know, save up for it. If you can save enough money, you can buy one. Not thinking I would ever do it. And they were only like, you know, $1,600 brand new. But I did. I flipped, you know, flipped a few go-karts, made some money, and I had, you know, had the cash to buy it. And that just took off from there. That was... And then that same year, I bought an 86 Quad Sport, which I loved. That was that was a great bike. And then I was fixing friends' bikes and dirt bikes and just took off. And then come high school... I'm like, I, you know, I can't make a living doing this. So I got to figure out what I want to do. You know, I was always a car guy too. I built my own truck and so I went to college for automotive. Um, I did a two-year degree on that. And then out of college, I worked for our local Chevrolet dealer for close to 10 years. Cause I figured that's what you have to do. I mean, there's, I mean, there's no money in fixing old motorcycles. Uh, but during that, during that time, I had a side bay at the dealership. So we could park, you know, you know if you had a dead car, you could, but there and then and then, still work on the lift. I would always have a bike apart. Always like during work, I'd be over tinkering with something or fixing a snowmobile engine or, or something. Um, and then fixing bikes in the sides, flipping and restoring three wheelers back then. This was in like the mid nineties. Um, and it was my boss that actually pushed me. You know, he goes, I don't want you to quit because you're a good mechanic, but he goes, but that's what you need to be doing. And he pointed to like, I have a bike in the middle of his shop. He goes, you're, that's what you need to be doing. So it was like, you just took, took the plunge. I built the shop at my house. Um, you know, it wasn't a smash hit right off the, the, you know, I was framing houses the first two years and putting decks on just to make some money to, you know, this was kind of like the beginning of the internet. So you really couldn't get much exposure. But it, it, you know, I mainly repairing ATVs and then doing the restorations kind of took off. And then this was the big break in 2004. My buddy's friend Mark drove the track the trailer rig for the motocross team for team Honda. And he had heard through the grapevine that they were looking for a US 90 in Japan. Called me up because I was always doing those bikes. He goes, I have a chance. There's a good chance that they they may talk to you about restoring the bike for them. So okay, so I you know I gave my name and was like like sure enough they called they were interested flew a guy out from Japan and we talked about it we put a deal together and I built them a US ninety for the Honda Collection Hall um, and where's that at? That's at the Honda Collection Hall in Motigi, Japan. Oh man, I gotta go. And then it turned into. You know, they get that. They're like, let's build a, a 73 ATC 70, you know, the flame tank 70. Okay. but well, let's build the competitor's three-wheelers to showcase with us. So I did a Trizinger and an ALT 50 Suzuki. Um, And then it, it just kept going. I built the 250R. I built another 90, 74. Then I did like, I did a CR 125, an 81 CR 450. Then the CB 160, two mr 50s. It was, it was 14 bikes total. So that was my big, that was my big jump into the restoration part. And then from there, people, I mean, people trust you. If Honda wants you to build something, you got to be somewhat decent at it. Um, and it's, and it just took off from there. So it's, I mean, it's been good. So, so what I'm hearing is you have the same Honda connection that we do. Probably. Yeah. My dad was a certified Honda mechanic. Yep. And Honda, I mean, we were at the Honda shop when we were kids. the yep. Peepers rolling around. And yep. uh, yeah, it was just, that's what it was. You were just Honda, you know? It's like once you get in, I mean, the guy that I worked with for the collection hall is retired now, but he was friends with Mr. Honda. I mean, he's an old school Honda guy. It's like, he was on the R&D team for the Odyssey in 77. Wow. Um, I mean, just really cool stuff. I mean, they had, they have archives of like paint codes they sent me and like literature that no one's ever seen. So that was a really, and that was, I did probably oh four to, I mean, I did it. I did them fast, all those bikes, probably through oh eight or so. And then they started getting weird because the economy was getting kind of weird. So they outsourced who managed the collection all. And, um, it kind of, they, they stopped, they stopped restoring any bikes. They didn't want anything else. They have, I mean, they, they showcase, I think 150 products between motorcycles, cars, rototillers, like anything they build, they have in the museum. And then they have another building that no one knows about. It's it's got like 500 motorcycles in it and like the best of the best that rotate in and out. Um, and that's been it. So, I mean, they've, They've kind of just moved stuff around now, but they're not really adding to the to the collection. Well, it breaks my heart that his son didn't carry on the same tradition. I know. Because you you can see it in, you know, they still have amazing quality. Don't get me wrong. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they allowed the competitors to catch up. Right. If Mr. Honda was alive, you'd never heard of it. You would have never heard the word KTM. No, no. He was a smart, I mean, really cool businessman. If you really look at what he started as, you know, and and what he built in his, in that lifetime is just amazing. I mean, it really is. I mean, it's just a genius. Yeah. My dad said some of the early stuff was kind of crude. Yep. Yep. But it just evolved and got better and better and better. Yep. Yep. And their warranty policies were great. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm-hmm. You know, as we roll into our era, there was no such thing as a warranty, really. No, you, you know, no. but yeah, what was it like? Yeah, there, there was nothing like you could blow a bike up that day and really on, they, it's on you. It's, yeah, <laughs> pretty much yeah. You ran when you left. I don't know what happened. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Every once in a while, you know, Yamaha did some stuff with the YFC early on because right. a couple of them broke in the parking lot. Right. 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 But, um, you know, it, warranties are, are abused more nowadays than they were back then. Yeah. I well, I saw that at the dealership, you know, when, when I worked for the not Honda, but for for like Chevrolet. I mean, it was amazing what you could get away with. Just it, It's all in wording. You just the way you write it up and push it through and that's how guys made their money. You know? Right. That wasn't for me. That was the, the whole flat rate thing. That's what turned me off from cars. You know, I couldn't work that way. I was too meticulous and You know, you can't make money that way, you know? Well, my brother always tells me, what would you do if you worked in a dealership? And I said, I'd go broke. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, because sometimes you're not, you're not scheduled to fix that. It's not on the paperwork, but you can't not fix it. You can't leave it. Yeah. I mean. Well, that's like, people want, people ask me all the time, like, I don't need a museum quality restoration, just something that looks good. Okay. You don't have to do the engine. I'm like, no, I'm not interested because it's going to kill me knowing that I could have done better. This could have been better. The plating could have been better. And now I have my name on it. it makes me look bad. You know, it's just, well, it's you kind same. of set one level, you know. It's the same policies that we work under. This yep. is the parameters that will do the job. If you don't want to do that, like- okay, fine. Right. Right. Yep. Because if you start trying to save a guy money, it just burns you in the, you know, something's going to fail or it just gives you a bad reputation. Or so it doesn't look stay. right. And then you're the bad guy. Exactly. Cause people don't understand the, the guy on the other end, the owner was yep. trying to save a buck, you know? And you could tell them that, but they're not going to, they're not going to do They it. don't. No, no. That's crazy. Um, do you still do cars? Or is it just all strictly? No, I just uh, we we have a couple. We have an antique truck, and we have a '68 Mustang we play with, but but no. In fact, I have a a modern F three hundred and fifty that I barely want to change the oil on. I'm just, I just, I just don't want to do it. You know. Right, right. The bikes are are nice because you can you can pick an engine up, you can carry it over, you can you know. There's no, it doesn't break your back when you know. No lifts. I mean, I have you know, table lifts, but no, nothing big and heavy, you know, which is nice. Uh, um, A couple of people have told me that I was going to get into the UTV world. And we briefly tested some of the stuff. And I told my brother, I don't want to be a car mechanic. That's basically what they've turned into. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, I don't want to do that. I I don't want 32 inch tires and they're, they're mini trucks. I mean, they're cool. I like them, but we don't have a lot of place. We have a few, like if you go up North, to ride but we don't have like in california you guys have places to go you know where are you um we're in massachusetts so i'm in central mass about about an hour from boston is it cold there right now you know we we had a little break of 60 degree weather which i'm like all right good good we're out of it and it's been in the 20s we got four inches of snow the other day so i mean technically by by april you should be good but we've had we've had two foot storms, you know, you know, like for a second week of April. So we're not completely out of the woods yet. That's too funny. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. we get one day, you know, partial rain, and our, our the world's yeah. coming to an end for us, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, yeah. When it's that cold, I I mean, back in the day, I used to snow ski, I did snowmobiling, I was big into the cold weather stuff. I hate it now, you know. Body. I turn the heat on the shop. I go from the shop to the hot truck to the, you know. Uh, I, 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 I live on the West Coast and the cold still bothers me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the shop, if it's 40 in the morning, I'm not happy. No. You know, the metal's cold. Everything's, your tools aren't the same, you know. And it's, it's we special. don't have heat. No. No. <laughs> so no. It, it's a bad deal. Hey, talk me through. Some of the other restorations that you've done, um, and 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 you know, some some stuff about the uh, evolution of how this this, this game of, of of restoration works. Well, if you look at like I always tell people, don't. And most of my most of all my customers, going back twenty something years, they're all friends. But I I've never not once had a customer that's just a customer. I I do a job and he's gone. I never want to see him again. I mean, there's guys that I haven't done work for in 15 years. I built them a small collection. We still talk, we get Christmas cards. We talk, you know, that's, that's kind of what this thing is about. It's like a community of, you know, you want to be kind of stay with these people and kind of in, in like collections. I've actually, you know, collectors build bikes and build this big thing. And it's, it's a cycle. I've seen it, you know, over and over again, where they, they just get tired of maintaining and keeping them clean and, or lose their space. And then I end up selling the collection to another collector and then that collector will get tired and move it. Um, so that's, that's kind of what I've seen in the, you know, in the restoration stuff. But as far as like my, my early work to my current work, like I don't like looking at my early restorations. They're not horrible, but I pick them apart. Like, there's a lot of stuff that I've done because you get better. I mean, as you go on, you get your, your tools get better. your are just techniques in general get better, you know, different plating processes and, you know, stuff like that. And your know, paints get better. Um, but that's what I've noticed. Like I've seen some of my 20 year old restorations. I'm like, <laughs> you know, like I wouldn't have done that now, but. <laughs> Yeah, but you didn't know then, you know. I, I didn't know. Yeah, it's 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 a constant learning thing, you know. To my knowledge, there's two real big collectors in the United States. Yep. I personally have not contacted either one of them. Um, you're probably talking about Binky, Yep. in in Virginia. I just yep. finished a eighty five and a half trizy for him. Uh, the black one, black with red frame. So that's I'm going to be delivering that in the next couple of weeks or so. That's so super cool. nice. Super nice guy came from, he's a logger. So him and his dad and his brother starting a started a logging company way, way back. And, uh, just a hardworking guy, you know, built up. Now he owns several tiger cat dealers, big feller bunches and skitters. And, um, but he's just down to earth. He's just a really, really, really good guy. Um, and he said he never could have a three wheeler growing up; they just didn't have the money. So I told his wife, "He goes, you know what? I want to get every three wheeler that I wanted as a kid." She goes, oh, "All right, you know, they get three or four or whatever." Next thing you know, he's got three hundred of them. She goes, "Wow, like you you really must have wanted a, wanted a lot as a kid." That that's insane, isn't it? But this place, like when you walk in there, it's like, what the heck? Like it's it's crazy, and it's super clean. Everything is organ like like every handlebar is in the same spot all the way down. Every tire is in the right spot. It's just really really nice. Uh, is it open to the public? He wants to. Uh, I think that's his next phase because um, it's at his house. So that's kind of the you know the tricky part is you know it isn't good, probably going to be like a seven day a week thing. Might be like every every two weeks for a weekend or something, you know, I think that's what he's going to probably do. But, um, cause he wants to show, he wants to share it with people. He doesn't want to just hoard them and they're his, you know, cause he's not that type of guy. Well, I, I would die to spend an afternoon in there. He would love to, I mean, he just loves to show people and like walk you around and, you know, and he has them all by kind of category. Like, the sport quads and the three wheelers and the, and the smaller ones. And then like the utilities loves 200 X's. I think he sold a lot of those off, but I think he had at one point like 35, 87, 200 X's like all in a row. It looked kind of cool, but it, you know, he's running out of room to put in different models. They didn't have. So right. you know, kind of thin the you know, thin the lesser ones, you know, that's not the one I would have favored. No. It's just, you know, certain people have a model that they just, they're fixated on and they just want more and more of that, you know? And the 83 to 85, I thought was the better. Oh version. yeah. Unit. It is. It is. Yeah. Well, you work, you rest, restore them. So there seems there's probably more of those versions than the others. Cause they didn't seem oh, as definitely. popular in 86 on. No, no. And, and talking to like engine builders, like I, I became pretty good friends with Curtis Sparks now. And, mm-hmm like they they pull more horsepower out of those early 200X engines than the later ones. And I don't know the mechanical part of that, but why, but you know, porting or whatever, chamber design or whatever. Um but that, that that's funny because back before Curtis was Curtis, he used to buy parts from my dad. Oh, really? Yeah. He's never met my dad. Oh, no good. Okay. No. Oh, no, we we're trying to work out something to get him together. I, I just talked to him last week now, cause I've talked to people that know him and he said, he's very, he's just a quiet guy. Yes. He's to himself. He doesn't, you know, um, I went to pine Lake for the 50th, um, race they had in 19. Me and me and Binky actually set up a, like a vintage collection where people could bring their three wheelers. We had like a little show. Um, and like Curtis was there and like, you know, we really hit it off. He's super nice guy. Oh um When we go to the races and and they see us talking, people are like, "Well, what are you guys arguing about? We're not arguing about anything. No, We're just no. reminiscing and talking about family and life and yeah, yep. and and you, I come to Curtis as a fan, right? Because right. that's who I was at that point in time in my life when he was racing. I was a yeah teenager and a Watching and posters and, you know, thinking mm-hmm. it's the greatest guy ever, you know, mm-hmm. and then you roll into standing there holding wrenches, you know, for your guy and he's the guy standing next to you. And you're like, this is cool. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> you yeah. Know? yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, wasn't, I, I wasn't the engine builder. My brother was, but right. Right. It, it, it was just, um, I think he's in his, like, he, he texted me. Last week, randomly, I get a text. Hey, Mike, this is Curtis Sparks. I'm like, oh, this is kind of cool. Um, he was just checking in and he's like, uh, he was, I think it's, I think it's time I'm going to slow down. Maybe, maybe, and I don't know if this is public, so I probably couldn't say it, but he was going to move his shop back to his house and kind of just work on what he's, you know, slow down. He's getting older. And, um, so I'd like like to get in, you know, I'd, I'd like to do some collaboration stuff with him, maybe build an old racer, you know, something that he did. It's going to happen to all of us. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a matter, it's just a matter of time. I mean, I like to, to be young and to, you know, that rat race of, you know, you got to do X amount, you got to do this and that. And I mean, once you get older, it's like, I, I'm just tired. I don't want to do it anymore. You know? Well, my brother's going to be 59 and I'm going to be 56. Right. 58. No, he's going to be 59. I'm going to be 56. And I know Curtis is a couple of years older than my brother. So he's in his sixties. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I still, I still can't see us that old. No, you know? I still feel 18. Like I, my, my mind is saying I can do everything, but I can feel it. You know, you, you wake you, your back hurts all the time. And you can't ride like you used to, you know, well, let me ask you this: You you've been in the industry a long time. Uh, you've been in a different phase of the industry than than like I have. But mm-hmm. when the gray hairs don't do it anymore, what are we going to do? I don't know. <laughs> well, especially like if you've done it this long, what else do you do? You know. Well, I don't see. I don't see me stopping anytime soon. No. But- Um, and, and the podcast isn't a fallback. It's the podcast just stems like every, I say this almost every show is, is nobody's telling the story. So. Right. It's kind of needed. It's, it's a needed thing to keep the history alive. Exactly. Cause there's no, there is no No. history. No. And I'm, and I have this much, you know, I haven't even got, I haven't even got a, a sliver. Um, You've heard of Mark Waxeldorfer and oh, yeah. you know, Tommy oh, yeah. I'm yep. trying to get with those guys. Uh, yep. Dean Sundahl has already agreed to come and sit down and study. Uh, Dean's great. I, I was with Dean during that Pine Lake race. What a what a, what a great guy. A really, he's really, so really good guy. He's so quiet. I'm going to, go, quiet. <laughs> <microphone> to <laughs> have to put a huge microphone. have to put a mic right up to him. Yeah. Yeah. To get, to get, get what he says. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I've been a fan of his since I was a a teenager as well. I remember, and he's like legendary. Like as far as ATCs, like he's probably the guy as far as like from the beginning. You know. Yep. Really cool. He's got a picture of one of the old uh, big wheel nineties. Yep. In the dunes with no footprints around it, and a photo. I have a copy of it that he sent me. Yeah, that, that was an art. Cl- that was an art class. He said he did that in school. Yep. That is the coolest. In his in his first US ninety, he had a green, mighty green. So it was like a seventy two, seventy three. Um, he told me like stacked potatoes, or did something for this farmer, and that's how he got the money to buy that. That was his first ninety. That's but he was cool. in the. I mean, he was around probably when your dad was modifying them. Yes, he was race- He was racing them. You know. The strange thing is is they didn't cross paths. Yep. At all. Where was where was Dean out of? Like what part of California? Same town. No kidding. We're in we're in like a little hub called East County. And there's San, Yel and Lakeside or the, are right. the and my dad uh had the shop in Lakeside and right. he had it had in Santee and, and Dean was out of Santee. Right. And you know, the, the, there was a couple other shops, but there was no crossover. Right. Um, you know, he came and bought a few pieces from one when we, when we were older. When I was right. older, but right. Not when uh, Dad was he was doing it. It's crazy. Yeah. Because you would think it would be, like, like have you ever heard of this guy in Burbank, Mike uh, Mike Miller? Is that name ever? No. Nope. Crazy old guy, but he's a he's a original. Like I have a brochure. He used to do. ATC 90 events at Pismo and he, he was, he's like kind of brought, he didn't bring up Curtis Sparks, but he was one of the originals with Curtis. Um, he's an old crusty guy, but he's, but he's a good guy talking to him and he's got a bunch of junk in his yard. You know, <laughs> one of those, one of those type, like I haven't been there, but I've seen pictures were just loaded with old pipes and just junk, you know, old tires and doesn't throw anything away. That's, that's typical, right? But those are the guys and they're and they're all going away. I mean he's I think he told me he's seventy seventy seven, seventy eight. Um We have parts in baggies and I we don't know I don't know what some of them are. Right. You right. know, that go to that era. Because that generation's not around anymore, you know? Well, Dad's still here, but Yeah. I don't you know, I mean I, I think we needed a set of points for something and we actually had them yeah yeah just <laughs> continues brand new in the package and you'd are like oh, oh oh you're probably sitting on a lot of stuff that people would die to have you just got to know what it is you know um i think my dad has some old triumphs triumph bsa stuff like that but yeah very few very few select of the honda 90 stuff did he make a lot did he make a lot of stuff or yeah. more of the machining yeah do you remember the company Hellman's son? Oh, yeah. My dad that's used to make all the pistons. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. So that's, that's cool. Uh, big owls. Oh, yeah. My dad used to make a bunch of the parts for them. Yeah. Um, I mean, he was the engine builders for the big owls team when it existed. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that was that, that was that BAP team, right? B-A-P-P. Yeah. Yeah. B A P P. P P. Yeah. And they were yellow and. The crazy like stripes in the uh, the tank, and yeah. Um, gosh, I'm just trying to think of some of this stuff that that intake manifolds, carburetors. I mean, there were just all kinds of different stuff. Yep. You know, they would make they would make pipes, and um, back in those days, the the the, it was just they were just black, right? Painted black, the metal cannon black. You know, well, there was, there was a lot of frame builders. I did a, I did a kind of a custom 90 for a guy in Pennsylvania two years ago. And, uh, it, I think we used a Nicholson frame. Yep. It was some type of crazy. The guy, uh, I'm having a blank now for the, the guy had actually passed away. He was a famous 90 th- racer from California. Um, Ace. Ace. Yep. We have, we had we have one of his front ends, oh. you know, the, the, it's like a cantilever or a Springer okay. front end. Yep, that was built by him. That's um, incredible. That's incredible. So there was there was a cool era there of like ten years where all types of trick stuff, you know, like crazy like crazy stuff that just disappeared. You just don't see it anymore. No, and I don't know where it all went. I mean, right. it couldn't have all right. got thrown away. No, no, they were around. I mean, you see, usually by now that's so. It just hasn't been touched in years, so you find these bikes that they're period correct. They have everything on them, but they've just been sitting for so long that usually out in the desert or you know and and just weathered to death. But yeah, and cool. and some of the stuff is salvageable. Yeah, the plastics generally aren't the seats. You know, rubber is. Yeah, rubber stuff goes. And- well, what what do you do in that scenario when you can't find that stuff? Do you make well, it off of a different model. That's the problem now. Like. I, I, like the 90 tires, um, I've been buying out dealers, you know, parts inventory for 25 years for 90s and all the ATC stuff. So I have a little bit of parts kind of put away. But those tires will bring... I've seen the two sold on eBay last week. New old stock, uh, a front and one rear did 3500 each for one tire. and And oh. I've sold... I mean, I've sold tires. The There's a guy in England bought a, a set for 4,000 each. So that's $12,000 just in tires. Um, and, and to even find a tire, I mean, think about it. They're 52 years old. How does it, how do they even survive? It's like they hit this crazy Japanese rubber that they, you know, it, it's just tires it's now in cars. It's like four years. They start cracking now, you know? Yeah. Uh, well, amazing. it's amazing. Well, it's planned obsolescence. Mr. Honda built this stuff to last forever. Forever. Yeah. I mean, look at like I'm doing 2 uh, I'm doing an eighty five two fifty R and an eighty six two fifty R right now. You just look at that frame and it's like look at the way they gusseted things, you know, and it's it's just it, everything was was thought out and it was just built so nice. You just don't see that. Well, you know, the the stories that I've been told is they had a village and the village would get the contract to weld the frames. Mm -hmm. They'd have a welder and a little light over the welding area and the men would weld, you know, the frames and they would have one or two, sometimes three jigs and have welders and they would do enough work to get another welder and and they would, be able to build more frames to, to freeze crazy which you kind of some of the wells weren't the best if you look at some of some of the 80s frame wells it's like not scary but but they held up yeah I mean the frames are still they, together you I mean, look at they them. didn't break I mean I very seldom I mean like 350 X's are common for cracking um that's why guys make those gossip kits and stuff but yeah I mean they just I mean like they you know these bikes just keep going and going and going. It's just pretty amazing like like if you go back to like the like a like a two hundred or like a one eighty five s or something they they don't break they just keep- and, and if you take them apart, there's very little wear like I've done hundreds of ninety motors, and I can count on my hand helmet besides chains coming off and breaking cases they they don't wear there's when you take them apart it's like there's very little wear in these things. That's so good. I mean, pretty amazing. And, and you don't—they don't build anything like that today. No, 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 no. Yeah, it's even Honda. I mean, Honda, Honda still builds nice stuff, but it's not the same. You know, when you look at it, it's just not the same. No, I don't think. I don't think that they have the same mindset. No, I think that it's all dollars and cents now. Right. It has right. nothing to do with being the world leader. And in- right. Motorsports, you know, as far as right. um, you know, the, the, their F one car and their jet, yep, and and their MotoGP bikes are kind of the things that they're pushing. Right, right. I, I I think that the dirt bike sales went down because they didn't push it anymore. Right. Yeah, there's there's that whole because I'm friends with with the owner of Dirtworks. They build all the supercross tracks. Mm-hmm. I do all his mini bikes and he, um, he goes, he goes, I, can't, I personally can't see how they even still make motocross bikes because the sales numbers are incredibly low compared to everything else out there, but they, they tend to want to just keep pushing and, you know, race programs, is just crazy money to do this stuff. Well, and they, but they don't pick the guys. No, no, no. But if you want to win, you got to pick the guy. Right. Right. I mean, Roxon. Don't don't get me wrong. Roxon, I thought was a smart pick at first, right? And then I, I just think oh, he's, he's like a, a, cl- <laughs> a typical clean cut kid, and wasn't your your typical you know motocrosser. But yeah, some, something happened. Something happened here. He just, his body, like, I think his body gave up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I haven't I I haven't watched Supercross since he's bagged out. I'm like, God, it wasn't really. No. I don't watch very often. I look at the results. Yeah. Yeah. I, I spend so much time working the, the the two things that I get to watch is F one and Moto G P. Right. Um and then I'm you know, surfing for A T V content, you right. know. Um or if I have somebody in a in a different a different form of motorsport, then I will, you know, Check out! I've a little bit of NASCAR, you know, yep. some of the yep. some of the truck stuff and and UTVs because we just changed to a motorsports podcast instead of just a straight different 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 things. Uh because there's so many people that have went from the ATV world, have went to the UTVs or have went on to oh, trucks yeah. or have went on to other sure. things. Sure, you know, yep. And it, you know, Jimmy Johnson used to work across the alley from us no oh, kid. Okay. Yeah. When he was a kid. That's cool. Yeah. And my dad used to build Ricky Johnson's XR 75. Right. Right. That's cool. So there, there's a, there's a tie to it. Yep. And, and you just want to continue it and, and get into everything really. And they're, they're all connected. I mean, I, I built uh ATC 90 for Gary Selsen, the top fuel champion. Nice. Uh, and he's big into that stuff yeah I you know I do stuff. There's a there's a guy Tim Pappas out in out in um Los Angeles. Huge collection. He's a he's a Porsche guy. I do stuff for Rod Emory. I don't do stuff for Rod, but I'm friends with him. He's a big big three wheeler guy. Right. He's a Porsche guy. You know. Yeah. He does a bunch of. I just I know his I know him from somewhere. He used to race. I mean, he was a pro pro ATV racer back in like I think late '80s. Early nineties, I think. At who he raced with, that's probably where I, you know, yeah. And I think he did. I think he did some Odyssey stuff for a little bit. I think. Yeah, I just seen pictures of his shop and some of the sheet metal work that he does on crazy, the yeah. It's freaking that's crazy. his talent right there, best of the best. Yeah, well, I mean, he can most of that stuff they have to make, you know, from nothing. I mean, he, he's got all the old. Like he's got his family history. His like grandfather owned that speed shop, and I, th- I think it was in Burbank. Um, but the, the, the tools they the use are still old school. All of it is. Yep. That's this unbelievable. Really talented stuff. Yeah. You know, we we I can remember back. We didn't use impacts. Yep. Until we into the two thousands. Hmm. Dude, hand tools on everything. Right, like speed wrenches, right? Two handles, yeah, yeah. You know. Ratchets, wrenches, know. no, no impacts whatsoever, right? You know, because you just didn't do it, you know. No, nope. and, and and you miss some of the technique when you use the impacts. Like you never let the young guys do it because you know. they're stripping every bolt <laughs> they tight. torque, torque the hell out of everything. Yeah, yeah. Put <laughs> <laughs> the tool down. You're yeah. Not allowed to use it. Right. It's crazy. We, we were always instructed. I am not going to give you the tools until you can clean the floor. Right. Right. Sweep that floor 10 times, you know, just so that you can pick up a wrench. Right. Right. Yeah. I don't, I don't know where it's going to go from here, but uh, I hope it stays. I really do. It's, I don't know where it's like the, the whole work like kids nowadays I'm not I'm gonna sound like the old guy but like the kids kids nowadays they just don't have the the work ethic like they come out of school thinking they're master mechanics you know and it's like it isn't like that you know like I love working at the dealer because the older guys those guys showed you they they they've been around and they'll you know if you show an interest they'll they'll work with you and show you stuff that and you can't get that anywhere and you can't read it in a book or watch a video and learn that it's it's doing it you know that's it's, what i worry about that's what i worry about stopping working on bikes right do, do you lose it i'm sure you lose some but right, yeah well look at cars i've been out of the dealership over 20 years and i can do most of it but the technology has taken off that's the big thing like if you want to work on modern modern stuff everything is it's just different you know Exactly. I I want to uh, continue with, you know, those cold mornings, my body's like, yeah, you're not going to do that today. That's how I am. That's, I just had a shot in my, my C6, C7 vertebrae that like collapsed. Um, my arm was, my left arm was going numb. I had to hold my hand over my head most of the day to get the pain to go away. I'm like, well, this isn't good. Yeah. I got to do something. I gotta but do they something. did that and it's been, it's been good, but he's like, this is a temporary fix. This isn't, your, your neck is screwed up. So yeah, no, it's horrible. being self-employed, you can't, you can't take two months off to heal, you know? No. It, I mean, unless you, you plan two years in advance for it. Right. Right. Yeah. Which but- I would do during the winter. I would say, all right, fix me in the winter. Then I don't have to go in the cold. I'll work my ass off, get some money up, you know? And, but it's like, I'm I have a I have close to a three-year backlog right now. It's just me. I don't want employees. I have my son works for me part-time when he's not in school. But um, that's just how it. I mean, people are like, oh, I should hire more and more people. I'm like, there's, there's not enough money in restorations. It's It sounds great on paper and it looks fun and and it is. Um, but the hours I put into these things are crazy. Like if, I don't even keep track of it because... I could never bill out per hour. I couldn't do it. We, we started timing some things because mm-hmm. we do restorations too. Yeah. Yep. And we build race bikes and to build a race bike and, and there's mechanics up there that are going to listen to this and tell me I'm full of it, but <laughs> whatever. I've been doing right. it a long time. Yeah, Yeah. When I take a 450R to the frame and do the gusset work and the, and, and and everything, and, and build a professional, ready-to-go machine. Yep. There's 60 man hours in reassembly. Oh yeah, easy. And that's easy. a that's a modern-day machine where yep. I can walk over to the shelf and pull the part off. Yep. You now know. try taking try taking something that's 35 years old and Been skid there. plates. You, skid plates you cannot find, and right. you've got to use an OEM one. So you're hammering out this piece of crap. That, because that, that's the best you can find and you got three days into making it straight but can yep. you bill out can you bill your $95 an hour or whatever your hourly rate is you couldn't mm-hmm. you know no because the, the price of the job would, would go nice itself in a day yep it's mm-hmm. like that fine line of you know, what makes you happy and what you know that's just how it is it's, you know but, but people don't see that they're like it's Twenty thousand dollars' wheels, two fifty R. I'm like, that's not a, that's not a lot of money. When you look at the overall, hunting the parts down. the I mean, look at plastic on a two fifty R. Now, yeah. a little stock plastic, fifty five hundred bucks to find a set. Yep. Tires are a front tire would be seven eight hundred dollars. Rear tire is five hundred a piece. Wheels, try finding a good set of gold wheels with no dicks on them, and or if you're going to polish them and fix them and anodize them. Connoisseur, yeah. Know. So yep. we did a we did a set uh, powder coated, mm-hmm. like an illusion gold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yep. they came out just. Okay. I've been playing with different. I do powder coating too, so I've been. There is a lot of translucence and candies and stuff that looks pretty good. But well, I, I've we, gotten so nuts over this stuff that it has to be the way it came, or I won't do it. You know. So I kind of bury myself a lot. We did both ways. We did the anodized and mm-hmm. we run the, the illusion gold. I think mm-hmm. the illusion gold actually looks closer to stock than. Well, it's, gold. well, it's hard to find an anodizing shop. And this is what I've run into is, uh, it has to be a certain is like a bright coat anodizing rather than typical anodizing. Cause like regular mm-hmm. anodizing, even on a polished part, it dulls it. It's like a dull gold. It doesn't look uh-huh. right. Um, so like a, there's a procedure they did. I, it's like a bright, maybe it's a two stage. I don't know plating that good, but, um, but it's tough to find. And then they have different shades. Like an 85 is a different shade than an 86 gold. Um, so there's a lot to it. That's when you get really, really into knowing your, your machines when you can yep. pick up the distinctions in the colors. Different pl- like bolts. Like I, I almost never change bolts. I everything gets polished and replated. But so what color zinc? You got to make sure you keep track of that as you're stripping them. You know, there's black zinc, yellow zinc, clear zinc. And where do they go? In what position did they go? You know? Right. It's just, it, it gets it gets more and more crazy the longer you're into it. It's like, you know, because you can't just throw something that's not original on there and, and call it good. You know? Right, right. I, I, I like some of the custom builds more than I like the original. Yeah you know well but- there because they, it gives you that freedom to do what like, like I'm doing a racer now doing an 85 racer um actually Rob Selvey built us an engine 2 years ago for it which now that he passed away it's kind of like our tribute to him um it's going to be kind of a cool build because it's probably one of his last engines to come to life in this frame um but there's no no one can pick it apart you put it online everyone's got everyone's at um massive expert on that that particular model like no i don't think it it went in that direction i don't think it was that color but when you do a do a race bike you can do whatever you want and you know you can't really be wrong yeah i don't even i don't even i don't even get into the online people no no you know drives you insane uh because most of them don't know no and, and, and I think they do it for fun. I think it's like a game. Like, uh, I'm going to see if I can get this guy to respond to me. Right. You know, I just, you know, which, uh, which there's, there's what, what would you say a handful of professionals left that know that do this? Very little. There's, mm-hmm. you know, since, since I started, I, I was like the only guy when I first started. And then slowly has been a few and there's a, everyone's a restoration guy now, but you look at, no, I never talk I, bad. I, I disagree with you. They they, they they may call themselves a restoration. Well, that's right? what I'm saying. Yeah, but but when you look at the work, it's like no, it's not. Like you didn't even take the engine apart. You spray painted the case. That's not a restoration, you know. Or or you 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 put old old hardware back on a painted frame. That's not a restoration, right? You know, ball, ball tires and it's just or or they spray paint the the axle silver to look like zinc. It's not a restoration. Um, yeah. Cause you could tell that it's obviously painted. Oh, yeah. You know? And that's, that's probably 90% of the guys doing it. That's, yeah. You know, it makes me sick, but I don't say anything. You know, I'm, I'm not that type of guy because it's not, you know, smile is what it is. Smile and go back to work. Exactly. Yeah. The people but, that know the people that know quality, know. When you, when they see something good, you don't have to tell and, them. And they won't, know. and they won't, the, the the guys that know aren't the guys that will ever be on the form. No, no. Most of my collector guys that I do work for, they've, they've never been on a computer form or anything. Right. They just like what they like and, you know, so that is so cool. We're going to do a, um, we do these things called carousels when mm-hmm. we post them on, on uh Instagram, yep, I would like to get you involved in one if you wouldn't mind, sure, sure um my thought is the big wheel ninety and then you go into a one eighty five yep. and then we could roll into like a three fifty x or a two hundred like different oh uh, so you different pitches scrolling type yeah, it's like yep. a four stage deal and ending with the yeah, yeah. PR and, and just a little caption about where they were in the history. You know, mm-hmm. um, it's so simple. I could definitely do it. yeah. It's simple. It just takes minutes. Uh, yep. I'll probably have to hit you up with, you know, some information in yeah. and, uh, maybe if you could help me with a couple of photos. Um, I've got probably, I've probably done every model, every landmark model from the beginning It's the small bikes to the, you know, 250 hours, 350 X's, 200 X's. Well, I will big, definitely... Big reds, I've done them all. I will definitely get you some information. Okay. Um I'm talking about something we're not supposed to talk about on here, so my, my <laughs> daughter's going to lecture me for this. <laughs> <laughs> You're not supposed to have those conversations. You do that after. I do I, it all the time. I do it in the middle all the time because I have nothing to hide. Right, right. You know, I mean... That's good content, though. People don't want to, you know... It's it's like two guys talking, and they want to know they want to know what we're doing, right? Right? You know, and that's that's one of the yeah. things about uh, it, you know the, the people that come to the shop. I'm sure that they do it to you too. They'll show up and they want to just see something you're doing. Oh yeah, you know, I have a remote. I used to work out of my house. Now I now I rent a shop, um, and it's in a commercial. There's a guy in back of me that that restores Packards and. There's some cool stuff. And there's a big sign off front. They're like, Mike, you can put your sign. I'm like, no sign. I don't want a sign on my door. They're like, why? I'm like, not that I don't want Pete to talk to people. I just, I just don't, don't want to talk to people. I just, (laughs) you know, I have, I have work to do and the door gets shut. No one knows what goes on in there because I don't really do. It's not like a business where you get local people to stop, you know, Pretty much 100% of my stuff is shipped in. So there is no real walk in type work, you know? How many times does it happen where things show up and you didn't know they were coming? Well, not too much because they kind of like I have a customer in Holland I do a lot of work for, and he was good for that. Like he would, he would find a a good bike, a good deal on a bike and then just ship it to me. But big tractor trailer would show up or, or like haul bikes. I'm like, I I don't think I have anything coming. They're like, oh yeah, you have this, and it's some crazy like fifty thousand dollar race bike or something. I'm like, Mike, you got to give me a heads up, like, because especially working for myself, I'm not there all the time, right? If I got to run out, you know, so that's that's insane. Um, I, I love I, I I dread those days and love those days. Yeah, you know, when, yep. when things show up and you're just like. Um, bro, did you uh, <laughs> did you talk to this guy? No, I didn't. Yeah. yeah, and then you realize, oh, we talked to him four months ago or five months ago, and and then he decided to ship it. Yeah, and here it is. You no, know, I've we, had that. We're mainly a motor deal, and, and yep. we we do a lot of our own uh motor boxes where we make a box and ship it to him. Yep. And the UPS guy just shakes his head because he picks him up empty. He goes, Why are they so heavy when they come back? And I go, Well, there's an engine. <laughs> yeah. I just shipped two 250R engines out last week. And uh, for years, we, we'd put them in a cooler or, or you'd put them in a tote and they'd get destroyed. So I'm like, You know what? I'm going to buy a box that's the size I want. And I'm going to build a wooden crate inside that box. It looks like a box, but it weighs a ton. <laughs> and it's three quarter inch plywood with supports and stuff. And that's what I did. The last two, I mean, they they were. They were heavy. They were like 98 pounds a piece. Right. So the UPS guy hated me because they didn't look, you know, they didn't look intimidating. I strapped them and stuff. So they were strong. He picks them up. He's like, Jesus, what's in this thing? Like, yeah. that's Because a 250R motor is like 62 pounds. Yeah. Yep. I mean, they were, I, I did three quarter, I probably didn't have to do three quarter inch, but I did, you know, but Inside gussets, screwed it and glued it, and you know, It really went, really went all out. But if you spent all that time, and this, these are restoration motors, so they're, right. I mean, everything's right plated, you know, clutch levers and right perfect OEM stuff. You don't want it, you know, go through all that work, you don't want a, a, a box to break apart and destroy it, you know, on the ride. Right.
0: Right. So,
1: I mean, that's what I tell the. That's what I tell the people when that thing comes in. If your motor comes into a box that I'm, I'm not shipping yeah. it back in in junk. No, 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 no. You know, no. some guys are like, well, well, I don't want to pay for that. And I go, well, it doesn't matter if you want to pay for it or not. <laughs> you're going to, you know, because if it gets broken, it's they're, they're going to blame you. Exactly. And, and we're so not going to do that. No, no. And <laughs> and they don't treat them. People think the shipping guys like, oh, you put, you put up and you put fragile. They'll be careful. <laughs> like." They don't, they don't give a shit. You know those movies where you see... That thing gets kicked into the truck, you know? Yeah, you know those movies where you see the the delivery guy kicking it and stomping (laughs) it? That's exactly... (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's an exaggeration, but but not. Right. Well, they said, I I think it's UPS. Like, it has to be able to take, like, a two-foot fall, because I don't know how they do it, but their conveyor belt drops it into something, so... They said, like, it's, it has to take that because that's what's going to happen to it. Well, yeah. And if you make a wood crate, they charge you extra. Right. So I just put, put cardboard around it. Well, check this out. If you ship, if you made a perfect wood crate and something happened, they will not pay the claim. Really? Yep. So corrugated with like PE style foam. Yep. Yep. The only way they will, and, and, and they want shipping paper in there with it, not yep. butcher paper, not newspaper. I mean, yep. They'll waver a little bit because paper's paper, in my opinion. Right, right. So they right. want shipping paper in there. I know they bumped a claim on me. I had a, a fender that was damaged, and they said they had some crazy thing. like It has to have a a 2-inch air gap around the whole part or a 4-inch air gap, and it only had a 1-inch. I'm like, well, you, your guy drove over the freaking thing, you know? Yeah. So that wouldn't (laughs) have helped anyways. It wouldn't have, wouldn't have mattered, but they always, and they're, they're brutal as far as box sizes, you know, they're, they have their measuring thing that it's like a robot that measures, and it's, you were off one inch and they, they charge Mm -hmm. you the extra $3, you know? Yes. Shipping nowadays is, is ridiculously expensive. Oh, it's crazy. I think those two engines were, uh, and they went to Ohio. It's not that far. You're like 140 a piece. To ship. Cheaper to go east to west than it is west to east. Really? Yep. They always, ding, they always ding us more. And people are like, well, that's not how much it costs to go out there. And like, well, what do you want me to tell you? Right. Well, right. I mean, I pushed well, and, and look at the price of fuel now. I mean, everything is going, everything's going to follow that as far as car. like I shipped that. I did a, 86 Tri-Z went to California to my collector guy. Um, I crated it. We went regular truck freight and it, it normally back in the day that was $600 freight, you know, charge. It's $1,200 to ship that bike. And, and it was just in material and wood was, I think $600 to build a crate. So it's, mm. it's just how it is. Um, do you use haul bikes? I use haul bikes for, Bikes coming to me to be restored or bikes I buy that are decent, but, but anything restored, not that I don't trust those guys, but they don't, they don't get it. You know, like I spend sometimes it'll be two years in a restoration where this thing is like, you could eat off it and they'll put a strap over something that, you know, it's like, uh, no, no, you can't strap it down. They don't, and it moves around too much with haul bikes because it goes from, you know, they'll pick it up. It'll go to their hub. And then they'll get moved to another truck, to another hub sometimes. So there's a lot of offloading and moving around. And so I don't do that on restored bikes. Those get crated, full plywood crates. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Truck freighted, you know. I totally get it. Because then they can't see it too. When it's crated, it's no one knows what it is. You know, it's just a big, heavy box. Right. You know. know. Well, in the States, it's easy, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I mean, shipping international, like I had that. Customer in Holland, which we're doing a container in the next two weeks or so. He's, I think we have 30 bikes going. Not, not, not all my restorations, but there's four restorations in there. Most of them are stuff he found and, but they all, they all get created. They all, I mean, it's, it's crazy. The customs forms and the, it's, it, I mean, it's a huge headache really moving that oh, stuff, but, but I remember when we used to be able to put a freaking shock in our carry on and, Oh, yeah. You get on the plane. And now, you know, you you breathe funny and you're not getting on the plane. Yep. Yeah, there's gas in in that shock. You know? Yeah, you're going to explode. Well, what what happens when I order the shock from the manufacturer and they ship it to me second day air? It was on a plane. That's on a plane. Right. What's the difference? Right. You know? It's crazy. We we went to a national one time and took the whole bike on the plane. Just take it all apart? Took it all apart. Yeah. Yep. The, the frame and the motor with the radiator was yep. all together and boxed. Yeah. And everything else was in a, in other boxes. That's cool. Yeah, I mean it was it was crazy. I've heard stories like that. I've heard you know, like guys shipping engine parts and they'll they'll have like a carry on thing and that's the engine, you know. Yep. Bring it in, you know. Exactly. It's, I mean, it's we, the quickest while, way to get it there. Yeah, for a while, we had a, uh uh like a suitcase for the plane for the engine. Yeah, yep. That's, that's okay. awesome. Well, they do that in the, the whole, the whole Porsche, Porsche world. My, my customer that races, it's, that, that's a whole another game. Like, they'll, they'll bend a chassis up doing like Daytona and they'll, overnight from Germany, a whole chassis like in this big crate, swap tra- chassis, they have to t- swap the VIN on it or something. But I'm like, what does that cost? You know, and that's how quick they can get it. If we have to ask, it's too much. Yeah. And, and, and we probably have a heart attack. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah that's know. a whole
1: different game. Yeah. But he tells me like his, his, his like tire budget for Daytona. I'm like, Oh my God. And that's, that's one day gone. You know? And that's your yearly budget. And you're like, all right. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know, silly Totally man. different world. Totally different world. Exactly. Exactly. Mike, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming and talking with me on ATV. No, thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
0: The team here at ATV Talk would love your feedback. Please email us at hello at ATVtalkpodcast.com.